Obi-Wan is the first Jedi that we ever really get to see. Because Luke isn't a Jedi yet when we first meet him. And he's he's just some little weirdo in a bucket hat looking at the sun. So <laughs> and then and then he turns out to be the coolest dude. Incoming transmission from an unknown source. It seems to be urgent. Patching them through. They're calling themselves the Holonet Marauders. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hellenet Marauders podcast. Why are you giggling? Matt, Matt derailed us prior to going live here. So. Absolute disaster. But it's all I good. Thought, I thought that little intro would have been enough time to pull ourselves together, but no. No, not yet. No, and I, I was not. so thrown I didn't even grab a prop this time, but oh, yeah, well, I, was, I don't have anything new nearby anyways. It's always a roulette whether or not you guys are going to come out of it with a prop or not, and I always feel like I should have one at the ready. There's always lots of stuff around. Put that blaster DH-17 away. DH-17 Imperial yep. blaster? Rebel blaster? Whatever. It's whatever you want Both. it to be. So I'm joined here, as always, with my bombad Jedi pals of Jamie and Matt. Jamie and Dungworm, actually. His oh, name's still Dungworm. I'm still Dungworm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm never going back. And the reason, the reason I call you guys bombad Jedi is because bombad means great, I guess, in yeah. Jar Jar language is it a gungan thing or is it just jar jar it's a bomba no uh, it's a gungan thing thing. but it the the meaning of the word because i think they say bad at some point they use it to say bad at some point it was an accident it was an accident because it's supposed to be good and i call you guys jedi because jamie's wearing her jedi beanie and matt is you know you're both Uh, you're both diehard jedi i got return of the jedi in the bag because i forgot to change it jedi beanie return of the jedi it's all there you yep. guys all coming together. are two massive fans of Jedi. And I'm just kind of like here. I, we always think of me as a Sith. <laughs> I'm not really actually bad, though, so I don't think I could be a Sith. I would be a Jedi at the end of the day. But maybe I think they're lame sometimes. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Are you talking um, or is Kylo Ren talking behind you? It's blue back there today. I used to have the green background for Book of Boba. I made it blue. Very fitting for Ben Solo behind me, Kylo Ren behind me, Jedi talk, all that stuff. <laughs> But let us get to our wheel spin. We'll go to the Guardian of the Wheels. Ooh, Jamie. that's so good. I love it. <laughs> I love it. A hundred percent. That is great. Pretty good, right? Yeah, no, that's awesome. Guardian of the Wheels. Pretty good. Pretty good. The Wheel of the Force. Yep, that's also good. The alternate right. title for episode nine. <laughs> God. All right, what are we going to get here today? I don't know. Chrysanthemum spun this thing last week. I think the Rancor spun it this week. Not bad. Overrated creature. creature. (laughs) I was hoping it was going to land on something Jedi-like, or like a good Jedi question. You're getting an overrated creature. Overrated Um, creature is an animal, right? Ben Solo. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I love Ben Solo, so he's he's not overrated in my mind. Um, Overrated creature. Who wants to go first? This is a very hot take. A very hot take. I think that an overrated creature, I think that Lothcats are a little overrated. Wow. This is only because I don't really like cats in real life because I'm allergic to them. Um, But otherwise, they're adorable and I love them. But I do think that's a hot take. They're overrated. Okay. We also don't hold the candle to Porgs because, like, Porgs are the best. And they're always pitted against each other, Lothcat or Porg. And I'm like, come on. Can't do this. I'm trying to think of a good one. I'm trying to think of a hot take. Hot uh, take. Matt, what do you got? Do you okay. got one ready? Uh, 
nothing's gonna top my hot take so this thing what is that <laughs> you always <laughs> i love it though i gotta look up what he what he is or what skunk man I think audio people don't know what this is matt what is this it's a big old skunk lady with <laughs> tusks and big uh, lower tusks um, how is it overrated if no one no, knows kidding. what it I'm is kidding. but you that's not it that's not it he was stalling i would say yes i was i would say gorgs gorgs i don't think gorgs are rated enough I people think don't people, know about the gorgs in resistance. It's like the people best are part. always talking about gorgs. I don't like gorgs. They bite. They they're too bitey. They're not affectionate. Shout out to shout out to our pal Garrick on Twitter who loves oh, gorgs and I'm every so day sorry, tweets out like a funny gorg thing. Yeah, I'm it's so been sorry, Bond Garrick. titles recently. Like, uh, you only gorg, gorg finger. You only gorg once. Gorg finger. That, gorg that's gorg finger. That's accurate because it'll bite your fingers off at any given moment. It has no gorg loyalty, fall. no love, just bites we love gorgs no i don't o love gorgs. only gorgs nope <laughs> no overrated creature this is i love all the creatures though i'm trying to think of one i like but it gets too much love aj i know you down in your heart you want to say porgs well i think porgs porgs and gorgs that would porgs be a really are, hot take from you but i don't think porgs are overrated i think maybe at one point they were but they don't get talked about that much anymore yeah you know, except by maybe me they do they're one of the like <laughs> hottest merchandise banthas from wow oh that's but a I, hot but, take but like i said i love banthas so it is a hot take <laughs> hotter is than it, the tatooine songs no i'm gonna go blurg <laughs> blurg Ooh. blurg that's overrated that's wow. a really hot take wow rancors no i love rancors all this being said we love all of these creatures yes. uh, as usual i just named like four things the the game was rigged from the start i hadn't thought of blurgs in forever i love blurgs we we almost bought a new blurg yesterday so we actually got new plushies the other day there's the new like little like creature stall galaxy's edge line that they have at like target and whatnot so we got a rancor and another porg <laughs> underrated creature great. would be good i would say underrated puff, puffer pig oh we're going with underrated animals now too. i could do underrated a lot easier than overrated okay underrated puffer uh, underrated pig. creature underrated creature puffer pig uh, puffer love pig. the puffer pig i my favorite still in all of rebels is kanan and zeb in the <laughs> pilot seat and the co-pilot seat of the ghost and the puffer pig's just inflated behind <laughs> that is the best what toy they sell at galaxy's edge too oh 100 yes! it's on the other side of the room i can't get it oh <laughs> this sucks uh, I'd say an underrated creature as well is uh, the little crystal critters from the Last Jedi, the Vulptexes, because like go. they're in that scene and that, that scene only, but they're they're so cute and they jingle when they walk and they're just they're, they're just adorable. I guess from I'm my, gonna say uh... Blurg. You already, you already went. <laughs> you already went, dude. You also said that was overrated. Exactly. We're going for underrated. I'm gonna go with Lug of Beast. Oh. Oh. I love the look of the Lug That's of Beast. That's good. It's really Hap good. Hapapore was my first answer, and then I thought Lugabeast and was like, I'm going with Lugabeast, but Hapapore's. Hapapore's great too. Every boys. creature on Jakku. Underrated. Yeah, every creature on Jakku, pretty much. The, whatever that vulture thing is. The steel that... vulture. <laughs> you should do a every creature video on that. in uh, what's his name's little uh, zoo that he has. Yeah, Baba Joe. Baba Ooh, Joe can I go zoo. back to overrated? Sure. Rathtar. I don't think anyone talks about Rathars. Matt AJ, doesn't so like I the Rathars. I don't like the Rathars. They don't feel very Star Wars-y to me. I don't know. I was just kidding. I was saying that to get Matt going. <laughs> Though, I, I can see why you'd say they're overrated because they not only appear in the sequels, but they now they're they're 
you know a big item in the high republic too so i love seeing them show up yeah in i mean it was cool, it was Star, cool to have so. the sequel connection in the high republic as well and if i'm being honest when i was playing star wars uprising i had a gang called the raftars i ran a game <laughs> called the raftars which was cool um that's pretty good but yeah they're just okay. a blob of eyes and tentacles i like how we took the question and turned it into another question a better question <laughs> i feel like we didn't i didn't we did, I didn't do a good job myself answering the first question, so I wanted to keep it going. No, you didn't. You, you tried to redeem yourself over there. Overrated's Mr. hard. Solo. Underrated's a lot easier. Okay, so next time I have an overrated question or underrated, we're going to do both. Yeah, why not? Just so Maybe Colo so Clawfish. You know. Can I change it back to Choco? <laughs> I've never seen one alive. <laughs> overrated. Overrated dude. Everybody's eating his eggs. This dude's Tasty. got nothing. This, guy, this guy's nothing. All right, but uh, so of... we're actually here today to talk about the Jedi. Um, so I don't really know if AJ was clear about that in the intro because we kind of got derailed very quickly somehow. Um, but this is actually a Jedi talk episode. It's, we're going to talk about Jedi and all things about it. Um, right. AJ, AJ, take over. What do, you, what do you got about this? So before I said you guys are like two of my favorite people to talk to about Jedi and obviously two of my favorite people to talk about Star Wars with because we have a podcast together, so... It's a compliment, but it was also obvious, I hope. But thank you. I wanted to ask you guys, why do you love the Jedi? Like, what draws you to them? Is it just because they're simply the good guys? What? And, I, you know, I expect, like, Matt is going to be, like, something deep. Something deep, like, or, or something really serious. And then Jamie, on the other hand, is going to be, like, something goofy or world-building-ish. And when I thought of this, I was thinking of, like, the High Republic, because that's super Jedi-heavy. It's all Jedi. And... Matt's kind of like the Charles Soule, Kevin Scott. Jamie's like the Daniel Jose Older or Justina Ireland, I feel. So it's like, that's the vibe. Okay. All right. All right. You like that? I like I'll, the vibe. I'll take that. I like the vibe. That's a compliment, obviously. So um, so your first uh, question to kick this off is why, why do we like the Jedi? Yeah. Not just like, though. Like, you guys are like... I mean, most people are. I mean, Jedi are the most popular thing in Star Wars, which is why well, we I'll have be a honest. no question. When um when when AJ briefed me on this episode, uh, he's like, "Yeah, so we're gonna be like, uh, answer why do you love the Jedi?" And I just kind of like looked at him for a moment. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like decked out in like some form of like Jedi gear, like like this. Like I had like a Ray shirt on when he like told me, and I had the Jedi beanie on. I have I'm like twirling like a little like, lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, the Ahsoka shirt right now, and I'm just like, why do I like the the Jedi? It's, it's the kind of thing when someone asks you point blank why you like something, you, you just like don't know how to respond. Um, it, it's more like, I like I like can't explain it, I feel like. Um, when when it comes to like the Jedi, that's just, that's, that's quintessential Star Wars. Um, they're present with across everything. And even if it's some story like about bounty hunters, it's gonna get involved. Um, yeah, as we've seen. <laughs> yeah. Although the way that that happened probably didn't need to happen, but uh, whatever. Um, with, with Jedi though, like you you know that it's Star Wars at that point in time. So like you you guys know my backstory. Listeners know this backstory of me and Star Wars. Like I wasn't like a Star Wars like kid. Like my older brother and older sister like watched them, but they didn't like sit me down and be like, you gotta like watch this like right now. That no, I, we didn't do that. No, um, but like I like I like knew of like <laughs> Star Wars and knew of like Jedi like growing up and whatnot. And, like, I knew who Yoda was, and, like, I, I knew who Darth Vader was. Obviously not a Jedi, but, like, whatever. Puppet Yoda? But, like, I... <laughs> I'm not say saying I like, watched it when I was little, but, like, I knew of, like, Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks something like that. <laughs> there we go. Um, and so, like, the biggest thing is, like, y you, you know what Star Wars is 
and you know what Jedi are going into Star Wars, you're rarely going to find someone who, like, you, you automatically know what they are and know what they're about. And I think that, that because it's so simple, that's just what, like, draws me to them to love them so much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the I- iconic nature. I'll go with iconic nature. There's got to be a word like iconoclasty or something like that for... Like, when you when you call something iconic, that's like... like iconic? No, but their iconic nature is the reason that, you know, the Jedi are Star Wars. Jedi has entered into, you know, popular lexicon. People around the world just know the name Jedi. They know what a Jedi is. They know the traits associated with the Jedi. You for crying out loud, you know, Jediism has been, you know, on the... <laughs> Uh, on the census data for religions in right. like United States, United Kingdom, like all over the world, people call themselves Jedi, you know, mostly as a joke, but the Jedi, I mean, why I like them is because they're like, they're like the holy warriors. You know, every culture has like this, like spiritual, magical warrior person, you know, group that, that, that they're, they're special. They're better, better, quote unquote. Um, but I smell a Sith. No, I, better that's, is, that's is not a what you're smelling, Mister Dungworm. They're more skilled, is what I'm saying. They, they're, they're, it, skills come easier to these people because they're they're in tune with nature and the world around them. And it, like I said, every culture has some form of that. And I think the Jedi, first of all, it's cool because like the Jedi's magic is 100% real. <laughs> you know, we can we can look at it like. Right in front of us, these guys are straight up just wizards, lifting stuff, you know, pushing stuff, pulling stuff, you know, all the all the Jedi things. They got cool glowing swords. That's another reason the Jedi are really cool. Oh yeah, the lightsaber is probably like the coolest weapon ever put to screen, like coolest and in fake invention I I can think of. And how it took us, you know, thousands and thousands of years to come up with laser swords is beyond me, but. George Lucas I love struck struck gold. <laughs> I love when they call them laser swords. Like I do too. In the in the material, I think because yeah. like that's what just normal people would call them. I think I don't know. No, exactly. Say, oh, lightsaber. Um, yeah. No, I mean it's it's all good points. Um, and Jamie, I know like Clone Wars is probably what really got you into mm -hmm. liking the Jedi so much. Which is funny because they're at war. They're in the Clone Wars. They're literally warriors with armor, which is probably what the Jedi shouldn't be. Yeah. But I think it's for you. It's like the camaraderie. They we see them yeah. all together. Clone Wars is the, we see it in the prequels and a, a little bit. But in the Clone Wars, you see the camaraderie between them and the clones, um, and even just like I don't know, the way I see it is Matt just said all the serious things about religion and stuff. But what you like, Jamie, is like the relatable things that the Jedi do. Yeah. Like going to the Dex's diner, going to do these. I don't know. Is am I right on that? Yeah, I'd say that Matt is. Uh... I, yeah, I would say that Matt has the uh, analytical approach here, and meanwhile, I'm over here saying, oh, lightsaber, go burr. <laughs> or like when, when our good friend Ryan came over, who I seem to reference every episode, um, you, you we had the running gag of like, what was it? In the Jedi Temple, do you think? So do you think? <laughs> yeah. So uh, <laughs> so this is a, Matt, I'm not sure if you know this, but um, when, when Ryan uh, and Becca came to visit us, for some reason... I, I feel the need to just, like, ask every single stupid headcanon that comes into my head about the Jedi to Ryan. Um, okay. Because he usually, like, will fire back some other, like, inane, like, answer to me. And I'm like, all right, cool. So, like, every, like, ten <laughs> minutes, I'm just like, so, 
So do you think that the meals at the Jedi Temple are actually, like, prepared for every single person individually? Or what do you think is going on with that? And then he'd, like, launch into it for, like, some, like, deep, like, answer. But but anyway, it would be always be something, like, Jedi-related. I think that it it's just, like, I, I love the Jedi as well because of so much, so much we don't know about them. Um, this is, like, my favorite, like, thing in Star Wars. Like, I've always said that, like, my favorite era of Star Wars is the post-Order 66 one. So all the Jedi are technically dead, but we don't know anything about, like, that era. But we're actually, like, getting... We're getting so much content about it this year. I'm so excited. It's funny you say that because my favorite era in Star Wars is the New Republic slash Cold War era where all the Jedi are dead. All the Jedi are dead, (laughs) and there's no content. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, like, it's it's because there's just so much unknown, and, like, it's just really... What makes you like want to like know more about it and like research more about it and so like it's it's funny that you like mentioned the clone wars aj because like when when i got really into star wars it was because of the sequel trilogy and we only had like um the one brush with the jedi so we had like ray learning that she was force sensitive and whatnot and like very little bit hints at finn but like that wasn't like oh this is a movie about a jedi it was more just like a movie about someone finding themselves and so like from there we really like dove into the clone wars and so like Clone Wars is, like, what, like, gave me, like, that deeper insight of, like, this is how the Jedi, like, re- like actually, like, talk with one another. Aside from the prequels, it's just, like, Anakin and Obi-Wan, and then sometimes Mace Windu and Yoda. But, like, in the Clone Wars, you have so many Jedi actually interacting with each other and seeing them, albeit they are, like, the same, like, ten or so people. But it, it really tries to give you, like, the bigger picture of, like, there are, yes, these, like, thousands upon thousands of Jedi Knights across the galaxy actually working together. Plus, we get the clones. And then they kill everyone. But that's... <laughs> that's <a different laughs> and then that story. launches your favorite era of the Jedi. <laughs> and then that launches my favorite era of the Jedi when they're all dead. No. <laughs> but uh, it it's cool. And as you were explaining, like, you know, you, as you always have, getting into it with the sequels and relating to Rey so much, it makes sense mm-hmm. because watching these movies you pretty much are ray like le- she's learning about the history of star wars and the jedi and everything and you're right there with her we're all yeah. right there with her learning the past as well so it's it's pretty cool i mean that's how we relate with these characters i mean the same thing happens to luke in the originals and he learns about a little bit of the clone wars with like a short mentioning of obi-wan <laughs> yeah but um i don't know I, I guess from there let's talk about the history of the jedi as it's given to us in these films as it's you know, as it was meant to be given to us, starting with the original trilogy, we we meet Luke and we well, we meet Obi Wan, who was the first Jedi we meet technically, and then he brings Luke with them. But Old Matt, I guess he just brings this kid with him, <laughs> which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> but Matt, we'll go back to you, and like, what is your with the original trilogy? What do you think? Like, what do you think the meaning of the Jedi is in the original trilogy? Because I feel like as we'll get through all the eras of Jedi, they're all different. Like, yeah. the Jedi feel different in all of them. I mean, one, because there's thousands of them in the prequels, and then there's, like, two of them in the originals. But, like, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, I mean, Obi-Wan clearly serves as, like, the Merlin of the story, right? He's, like, the <laughs> magical space wizard. Kenobi's um, weird. Which is funny. Yeah, really. <laughs> which is funny because, you know, when you think of Merlin, you don't really think that Merlin was once, like, this big warrior monk who fought in this big war with a laser sword and, you know, went crazy like that. Cause I mean, that's not, that's clearly not what he did. Um, so back in the day, you know, people had a much different view of who the Jedi were 
from the original trilogy than they did when the prequels came out. A lot of people didn't think there was even like a Jedi order, quote unquote. They thought they served more like samurai who were, you know, these incredibly skilled warriors who you could hire, you know, to protect you or, you know, take care of business that kind of just like roamed around the countryside and served people who paid them. And, you know, so in the original trilogy, thinking about the Jedi, a lot of people associated the Jedi with more of just this, almost like this wandering warrior trope. And, you know, Obi-Wan was just somebody who probably who got paid to fight in the Clone Wars. It wasn't, or, you know, to protect the Republic, obviously. Uh, but the Republic paid Obi-Wan to protect the Republic kind of deal. You know, so people, so the, the Jedi in that sense, you know, obviously we have Obi-Wan and then Yoda. So we only really have two glimpses of the Jedi of old. And then you have Darth Vader who, you know, at the time just betrayed the Jedi. He didn't, you know, there wasn't an Order 66. There wasn't this one singular event where all the Jedi go extinct or, the, you know, and the temple is burned and everybody forgets about the Jedi. It was more of seen as more like a gradual thing where where Anakin betrayed them and helped the Empire just, you know, hunt them down over the course of many, many years until there were no more. Um, and that Pretty. would be obviously a lot easier if there was no order, if it was just, you know, warrior monks, solitude, people, you know, who, who train other people. But again, there's no hierarchical system. There's no council. There's no, you know, large-scale temples staffed by Jedi and, and you know, all these decrees and orders and laws that they have to follow. It, it was a much different picture. And oh, yeah, I it's, sometimes it's much prefer that picture looking back at it. Simpler, simpler Sim times. A simpler idea of the Jedi. <laughs> no, I mean, it is cool. And it's, it's interesting to think of because the three of us were never really, we never got no. to think of it in hindsight like that because we've always had all the material to back yeah. it up yeah it's wild just like hearing like that honestly because like i never just really like considered it that way it, it um, fits though like the wandering the wandering warrior or however matt put it like that yeah that is that is obi-wan in, in a new hope so it's yeah, interesting exactly uh what were you gonna say jamie that <laughs> what i just <laughs> said <laughs> it's just wild to hear it that way um because, like, cause you, you you think of the original trilogy, and um, Obi-Wan is the first Jedi that we ever really get to see. Because Luke isn't a Jedi yet when we first meet him. And he's, he's just some little weirdo in a bucket hat looking at the sun. So, <laughs> and, then, and then he turns out to be the coolest dude. But he it takes a little bit for him to get there. And I think that having Obi-Wan be the representation of the Jedi that we ever see for the first time is, is absolutely perfect because he is someone who has six had a successful life but also has failed in like every single way possible um and when when you have the full picture as well and we're gonna get more of that full picture which, which is absolutely wild i keep forgetting that's gonna <laughs> happen um it, it's it's perfect and I, I am very glad that Obi-Wan is the first Jedi that we ever meet because of that. Yeah. I mean, no, Obi-Wan Obi really is like, obviously he's a fan favorite, but he really is like the perfect Jedi. I he's always think he is. He's the quintessential Jedi. Yeah. And I, he's been, obviously he's not perfect. He, he's no. been through so much crap. I was going to say suffering, but, you know, that's a Sith thing. So he, like, he, he has been through suffering, but he hasn't but suffered. But he's overcome it. Yeah. And, and so the, the whole point is he's, he's overcome so it and he's and learned from it because yeah. he's a Jedi. 
<laughs> as he learns how to keep going. He's such no, a I, chill guy. It's exact. That's exactly it. You know, he. I mean, some of my favorite Obi Wan moments of all time are the times when he just exhibits the most like steadfast patience imaginable. Oh yeah. You know, you. I don't think. I mean, we see Obi Wan kind of lash out at Anakin a couple of times in Attack of the Clones, because again, this guy doesn't really know what he's doing. He. Still young. That's yeah. what he's, yeah, still he's still young. Himself he's, out. he's thrust with this kid, and he's like, I, I, you know, I don't know what he's doing. This kid's a bratty little snot nosed punk. What the hell am I supposed to do with this kid? <laughs> um, but, you know, like, Obi Wan versus Maul in Rebels is probably like peak Jedi for me. Because not only does he stay calm and patient throughout the entire thing, he's like this old man, you know, and you have the samurai, the classic samurai showdown between him and Maul. But Maul did so much to him <laughs> took away his master took away the love of his life who he yeah. would have left the order for you know and for him to then strike maul down in self-defense and then show like the most compassion you possibly could for the dude you know holding him while he dies and giving him information that he's asking for and like talking to him while he dies i mean that's just that's what the jedi to me are they're like the calm compassionate and like non-violent i mean they're not pacifists i know a lot of people say that the jedi are pacifists and that turns a lot of heads in the fandom because they're not you know they'll uh george once described them as the marshals of the old west uh where they'd walk into a saloon yeah i know marshal of the old west um but this is how he described them you know the kind of guy who will sit down for negotiations but will leave his gun on the table to tell you like look we're going to do this calmly and, and without violence. But if you try something, I'm going to shoot you. You know, yeah. it's not like a, it's not like a thing where it's like, oh, you got me. You know, it's like, no, I'm, I'm ready to use violence if you try something. Um, but the Jedi are nonviolent. That's like the last resort. It's not the first resort. You don't threaten anybody with violence. You're not, you know, you're not getting your way with violence. It's just something that needs to be done from time to time. Yeah, and I mean, that's... Um, and that's continue. an ideal to live to, right? That's an ideal to strive for. It's something that I wish I could do, but, <laughs> you know. No, I mean, every now and then, you talked about earlier that, like, people think of uh, being a Jedi as, like, a religion. I mean, sometimes I think, like, what would a Jedi do in this situation, right? You know, we think of our our film heroes of Obi-Wan or Qui-Gon or whoever, and we're like, okay, I mean, that, that comes me down. I don't know if you guys do that. Oh, but. absolutely. I think about Qui-Gon all the time, especially the one where he's like, there's no use in arguing with him because he's not yeah. going to change his mind. I think about that all the time, and I don't follow his, his advice at all. You do tr at least you try. He'd be happy. But to <laughs> continue happy, with the violence thing, um, it, it's evident at the end of the original trilogy when, you know, he had no choice but to fight Vader. He kicks Vader, Luke, that being. Luke kicks Vader's ass, and then the Emperor, like, confronts him, and he just throws the saber down. I mean, that's... Probably the most powerful moment in that in that whole um, finale of the original trilogy, Return of the Jedi, just throwing the saber down. And I, I think about him throwing that saber, and then in the sequels, ultimately, he throws the saber for another reason. But it's kind of a cool parallel there. See, I think of the parallel not with him throwing the saber in The Last Jedi, but the way he confronts Kylo at the end of The Last Jedi. That is a parallel to his win. You know, him winning through nonviolence in Return of the Jedi is him kind of passing the threshold, right? He's able to let go. He's able to, you know, let go of his attachment to his sister and his father and everybody. He's willing to just die rather than strike somebody down in anger. 
Um, and it's the same thing in The Last Jedi. He's willing to let go and he wins the day again through nonviolence. Literally, and, let's go. Yeah. Luke, that's the most iconic Luke moment to me. And Luke being portrayed as nonviolent again in The Last Jedi and winning in such a cool way. Oh, I mean, that. I, yeah, I mean, there's, I, there's, I could go on and on about that. There's parallels like to that, Star Wars moment. to what Canon does, which we'll get to, and we'll all cry a bit, as we always do. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it, when, when he throws that saber, I wonder where it goes on the Death Star. He picks Death it. He, he finds it. He finds he it, I know. It but, like, where the hell did, so. what a risky move. It was an absolutely risky move. He's on, like, a catwalk <laughs> over, like, a giant reactor, and he's like, yoink. <laughs> I don't know where that's going to go, but... I guess I'll find it later. And he does. And he did. As the place is blowing up, he finds it, picks his dad up, and now that's the heck out of there. Yeah, nobody Darth bothering to help the entire Vader's way. lying <laughs> on the ground, just like dying. And Luke's like, hold on a second. And like it's digging like, through rubble to like find his lightsaber. Seinfeld, Elaine gets the Juji fruit before she goes to see the boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you stop for Juji fruits? Oh. But I mean, I guess, I guess we can transition to the, uh, the prequel Jedi, unless you guys have anything else to say on. You know, pretty much just Luke and Yoda, and um, I mean, Matt, you got to talk about Yoda in, in Empire. Well, like Yoda, this version of Yoda right here, yeah, is my favorite. <laughs> First of all, my favorite Yoda, but his teachings in Empire Strikes Back are some of my favorite Star Wars moments of all time as well. And the stuff he says is absolutely legendary. Well, you know, his luminous beings speech to Luke. You know, I mean, it shows just how much he's changed, I think, uh, from the prequel era. You know, Yoda goes through a significant amount of growth from the guy who's fighting a war, even though he was forced into it, to being somebody who does not consider warriors to be great people, you know? And, and well, let's see, how, how do I put this? I think that that's something really important um, when you have the broader scope of the full story of like the Skywalker movies with the Jedi is that all of the Jedi continue to learn their entire life. And that's something that yeah. that's that's one of the biggest pieces of advice anyone can actually like take and put into action is you will always be learning. You're never that's... going to not be learning. Exactly. And seeing this in action with all of the Jedi, yeah. even if like prequel time, like they're like not, but the ones that survive and keep moving forward are the ones that continue to still learn and end up growing. That's and... the perfect way to put it. That's exactly yeah. what I was trying to like form into words. You got it. And yeah. that's so relatable because as a as a kid growing up, you're told like, oh, you'll always learn like all you know this stuff, and you're just like, yeah, whatever, old, old person, like leave me alone. And now I'm like, I wish I listened to them. I mean, that's yeah. everyone feels that. So it's it's so relatable with the Jedi. I mean, and that's again paid off in the last jedi when when yoda pops up and is continuing to teach luke luke is continuing to learn yeah. and yoda's continuing to learn even as a ghost for crying out loud <laughs> i mean it's just the best learning how to set things on fire that's right yeah actual don't, stuff but <laughs> don't mess with those don't mess with ghost yoda He'll, uh... i hope we're all learning stuff as ghosts one day i mean that please one day that was, long time. That was deep <laughs> all right I, I hope know. we're all learning stuff as ghosts. As ghosts. Force ghosts, of course. Learn how but to walk through walls, maybe. Let's pivot to... <laughs> Little astral projections. Not to, a like, float time. through the ground. That's going to be tough. <laughs> Let's pivot to a different time. Um, and I was just thinking of this when you were talking about putting the gun on the table, Matt, and then, you know, only using it if, you have to, if you're forced to. And we go to episode one. We're in the prequels now. 
and Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon go to the Trade Federation ship to negotiate. The negotiations were short. The negotiations were short, and they don't actually put their lightsabers on the table, but they're yeah. there sitting at that nice table, the droids serving them, they're drinking, whatever. And then the, the toxic gas comes out, as and they we know. immediately whip them out. Yeah, they, they whip them are, out. Though. It might as well Wait. have been them putting them on the table. For yeah, guys, guys, they are though in theory the lightsabers in the situation or the gun in the situation because the Republic sent them as negotiators. Yeah, and that's then true. The, Almost like a threat. The right? Trade Federation noticed they were Jedi, and they're like, "Hell no, we're not even going to talk to them." So it's the equivalent of the marshal sits down on the table across from you and puts his gun on the table, and the, the guy just got up and left. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that's so, like, that's a good point. I mean, that's exactly how the guess, Jedi but, are. Yeah. And you know, I think you know by this time, Palpatine has already started to corrupt the Jedi slightly. Slightly, but, okay, just slightly. Lot. Well, I mean, he hasn't done his, he hasn't gone like full-blown chancellor stuff yet. I mean, he's, he's still in the shadows. He's still, he's got his foot in the door. Yes. He's still in plain sight and all that. But I think, I mean, I never thought of this until just now, but uh, the way I'm seeing it now is like that moment on the trade federation ship is probably like the last gasp of the, like the great Jedi, you know, The, the fact that they could just show up. And immediately everybody's in a frenzy panic going, oh, my God, the Jedi are here. What the hell are we going to do? You know, we can't we can't go through with this anymore. Um, that's that's the kind of clout the Jedi carry. And that's what makes them so great. And it's cool, yeah. like having read the High Republic stuff now, and that's 200 years ish before this. Um, like that, that's very High Republic Jedi ish, like showing up to negotiate like that. Um, but yeah, yeah, and then all, then all hell breaks loose by the time we get to episode two. <laughs> Um, but like, what do we know exactly what led the Jedi to like get so political and like have their main temple be on Coruscant? Well, no. we don't necessarily know. I don't think yet. So. Other I than mean, the fact I... that Coruscant was like a hub. Yeah. And you know, the Jedi were to build a temple there, and the main government would be stationed there. It was kind of like a happy Such coincidence. A on top Maybe... of the Sith temple. Maybe yep. Plagueis or Palpatine had that in mind. Maybe they maybe he they planned didn't that. Build, they didn't build the temple. The, the temple, temple is on Coruscant like, exists old. like in the High Republic. Oh, so that's like true. it goes back. Like, whenever, whenever Coruscant became like pretty much the capital of this galaxy. Right, it's in High Republic. That's that's when it must have happened. Um weird question, AJ. We don't have an answer to that one. <laughs> no, no, I, I just... mean we don't yet. We know <laughs> they founded the, the order on Octo. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Jeddah is named after the Jedi, not the other way around. Um, and then they end up, how, however they end up on Coruscant, they, they eventually yeah. end up there. We don't know in canon. Once, like, they, once they not, become so political and biased is like when their ultimate downfall starts. Well, so. not to like dive into the higher Republic so early, but that kind of starts in the higher Republic is they start working together very closely like yeah. with the Republic and with the Senate. Yeah. Um, but like we'll we'll get into that because um, we're in prequel time right now and the jedi get unknowingly enlisted into the war which i have a lot of questions about like i oh. i want to oh yeah i want to know this is th- so do you think that there is a jedi command assimilation process in place and that just gets activated so do all of the clones know like while they're getting trained that um the jedi are going to one day lead them or are they just like all right we're gonna go and do our thing and then when they arrive on geonosis and these jedi are like yeah i'm gonna lead this battalion the clones are like 
Who the <laughs> dude with the glowy sword? They this all little guy's so talking quickly. to me backwards. Like, what the hell like, is going on? <laughs> it's so so many questions. Like I I gotta think that like the clones were like told, hey, the Jedi are going to lead you one day. Um, so just well, that's just one of the messiest up. parts of Star Wars Episode Two and Sifo Diaz and the clones oh and the Jedi. Like that's that is. I'm just thinking of Yoda in the ship around the survivors a perimeter create and like two clones in the back going what the hell did he just say what the hell is going on just in the in the back of the gunship just like you just turn it turn it to like <laughs> did you just hear him what 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 did he say to do grab some back to soldier and you know like i i just think about it so much there's just so this is another reason why I love the Jedi so much is because there 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 are so many plot holes in Attack of the Clones <laughs> that I just want to like make a Jedi character just to like fill each of like those like plot holes. I'm not even kidding. Like I there's stories ripe for the taking. Oh, yeah. So much could like be happening. Um that well, that, that is, is a bread that, and butter. Is a, yeah, that is a just... big reason for it. Uh, I mean like that is one of my I love the Jedi for that because you could so easily just put a Jedi into any scene, at least the prequel era and the immediate post order 66 era and like figure out how they can make a situation different or have something develop. And they might not even like have like a direct like impact on the story, but they are there somehow. Yeah. No. Yeah. And that's what's, that's what's so fun about the prequel era is that there's Jedi everywhere. Yeah. Like, I mean, we're talking about the originals and yeah, they're they're so scarce. Attack in, um, of the Clones. Yeah, my favorite moment in Attack of the Clones is is the Coliseum filled with Jedi. Yeah, no, no, no. no. At, Your favorite moment is the uh, deleted scene in Attack of the Clones. Oh, oh god, <laughs> the act, that actually is. Oh my god, that is the <laughs> one of the funniest things in human like... existence. If you have an opportunity to watch the Attack of the Clones deleted scenes for the Coliseum, watch those. They're yeah. un friggin' believable. Uh, but also, even in the movie, don't look at the Jedi in the background because they're doing absolute nonsense. Uh, nobody gave them any direction. People just kind of threw, gave them a lightsaber, threw them out there and said, do what you want. And it's an absolute mess if you actually look at them. But I love seeing all of the sabers ignite. And I love the fact that we got literally a Colosseum uh, Jedi battle. I mean, that on screen. Yeah. How cool is that? I mean, even if you don't like the execution, just the concept itself is enough to get me just ready to watch it again. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just got to look past the execution of it. All Django Fett jokes aside. And you just got to <laughs> enjoy the concept of it because... I mean, that's there, most there, of there Star is, Wars, honestly. <laughs> there is so much more going on and so much more that you can like think about. And that that's always... There's always more stories. There's just always more stories to tell. That could be... People give Attack of the Clones crap, but I, I have fun with it. And that is one of the coolest moments in all of Star Wars. Just like, as Matt just said, I'm just pretty much repeating what he said. Like, hundreds of Jedi showing up, a thousand Jedi showing up with clone troopers on court, uh, on Geonosis. Like, it's unbelievable. That's and awesome. it carries over into Revenge of the Sith. Um, well, yeah. it's just the Jedi showing up first, and then yeah, they, the they fight, fight, yeah. fight, and then with the Yoda. clones show up. That's that's another question I have. So do you think that they all traveled together, or do you think that they traveled separately? Because I know in like the Jedi Starfighter game, there's like a lot of information like about the they escort. have to clear the space like, beforehand. Right. That's a blast. Play, play but... <laughs> Jedi Starfighter in Clone Wars, and you'll find out. <laughs> so do you think after they got the transmission that 
Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Padme were trapped on Geonosis, Yoda was like, I have to go to Kamino myself. Do you think anyone went with him to Kamino, or is he by himself in Kamino talking to the really tall Kaminoans? Like, oh my god, hey, I gotta, like, take all these clones yeah, right? and activate them He's right now. He's sitting there, like, is checking his by- watch going, come on, I know, I know. There, there like, must have been just him. 200,000, a million more, all this Baffling. stuff. Like, come on. I, I have so many go. questions. I have so many questions, and all of them are solved by making, like, three characters, and I won't go into detail. But if you want to know, just ask me about it some other oh time. Boy. How do the um, Venator <laughs> class ships leave Camino? That's a really good question. Where were the ships the entire time? Right? Un- underwater hangars, I'm assuming. I mean, I guess underwater on Exegol, they leave hangers. like the ground breaks. So. Where else are they going to be? It's Camino. <laughs> the the structures don't go underwater, though. I mean, maybe they, they do. do. Do they? Of course they do, yeah. There are so many secrets on Camino. Like, that's that's another question. It's Where up. are the Venators the entire time? And now it's just blown up. So Well, we see them. Know. Doing the uh, marching around, walking yeah, in them. Yeah, we see them no in reason. you know whatever underwater base they are. I don't. It's not I'm underwater. It's it's in the city. It can't it's be that top. the city's not that big. That's what the I thought. The city is a lot bigger than you think it is. I don't it's think bigger the, city. the, the plot inside. is big enough to hold multiple Venator stars. The destroyers. plot thickens because you know how they were marching. We always make fun of how they're marching around onto the ship like that early. Yeah. They knew it was coming. Obi Wan didn't know, but they knew. They got the call. How about that? Probably I think true. They were just doing some drills. Yeah. All right. Let's board the ship, everyone, in case we gotta leave quickly with this big green guy, or That's little a green good guy. Point. <laughs> this little green guy. That's a good point. Why the hell were they loading onto the ship? Why were they getting ready? Uh, but then, like, I, I love how just to fast forward as well, like with um, so they they join forces, the Jedi and the Republic, um, working to form this military unit now, and so the Jedi become super militarized, and it's definitely not something that they anticipated, but the main Jedi Council like pretty much is like, yeah, this is what we are now, and they like don't bat an eye on it, and that that really bothers the heck out of me, um, because it's just like, you, you guys spent your entire life trying to um, be like representative of like peace and justice within the galaxy, but at the same time, fighting a war isn't necessarily something that the Jedi should have been doing at all, and this isn't like the, the ethics of war here that that's in discussion over like should the clone war have happened um no but it does give us a lot of really fun content to like sift through um wait Why which don't? is what we live for yeah why do why do the jedi side so heavily with the republic like, well the the separatists have a good point about that, and I kind of wish they would dwell on that more. Oh no, we have like, separatists. Uh oh. Well, oh, you know, I mean, Matt, you, you we've talked about this. They have a lot of like valid points, like the separatists about how corrupt the yeah. public senate is. Absolutely. And we see like we see it in episode one. We see some of that when Padme goes, and she's like, "I didn't know there was slavery out here," and you know, well, she even even when she goes and she's like, "They're invading my planet," and somebody's like. Let's start a committee. And everybody's yeah. like, yeah, committee. And so they're like, like, all right, uh... no, we'll wait in the corner for us to like figure this out. And they're like, no, my, my plane's being invaded now. We can't. So why do the Jedi see it, the Separatists as like, they're why don't they try deep. to play both sides is what I'm okay, trying to say. The Jedi of... are in too deep with the Republic at this point. I mean, based on yeah. pretty much like the relationships that are built within the higher Republic of the Jedi working essentially as enforcers sure. for the Senate. Um, Think of the they're, they're Republic being republic you know the high, that's a very different republic than what happens in than what what we see in the prequels where everything is like more corporatist and that know, we know and we know yeah. lena so the chancellor is trying to allow the trade federation the has representation in the senate 
what's yeah. a, the trade federation is just a, a like a group of traders it's not a planet Corpos. what are you guys doing like yeah exactly it and obviously that's you know not lost on anyone what that's referencing to but <laughs> at the same time yeah i mean they're stuck with the republic now the republic stinks now but they're like you know better than everybody breaking off and you know starting their own wars against each other and stuff like because yeah. if, if you you allow the separatists to break off from the republic other people are going to start doing that too i mean that's that's why you know america outlawed secession it once a state breaks off it's like okay no i'm gonna break off it's like and right, this is one big mess. i can do it it's yeah. like but at the same time you know the c the cis i don't want to say was justified but they kind of were if they in the films led by sith in the film yeah exactly but in the films they're a little more justified than they are in clone wars well like, clone Dooku's wars not that bad more. of a guy well yeah Dooku. <laughs> Dooku's well, a jerk in Clone Wars. In Clone Wars He's yeah. not a jerk in the movies. Dooku's also not like no one really like knows like that Palpatine is pulling the strings except Dooku. So like that's also like that extra like layer of it. Um, I and mean, don't forget, mm-hmm. we're we're not supposed to realize that Darth Tyrannus is Count Dooku until the end of the movie. Yeah, I mean that was kind of spoiled in like it's the so marketing weird. and the and the um, merchandise stuff, but. Oops. The original reveal was supposed to be when Sidious says Darth Tyrannus to Count Dooku at the end of the movie. That's when you're supposed to put two and two together. Like, holy crap, Tyrannus was the guy who hired Jango Fett. To it was Tyrannus all along. It was Tyrannus all along. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. But even even so, I still don't think it was executed well because clearly Count Dooku is a Sith. Yeah, and this then guy he has gets a executed. Is shooting lightning out of his Anakin. fingers. Come on, guys. Catch on. Yeah. And then anyway. he gets executed by Anakin. Another um, poor execution. <laughs> now and your dad good. covered your eyes in the theater. Yeah, he did, and then That's he tried good. to do it again when Anakin was burning, and I, <laughs> I stopped him. That was my entire childhood. Speaking of burning, I don't want to bring it up this way, but I will. Um, spoiler for the ending of Rebels. Kanan. We're getting into Rebels. We're talking about Kanan now. We're gonna. I'm we're gonna, gonna jump ahead Kanan. because because the next part of the timeline is the post Order 66 era, which involves yeah. Rebels. So I mean, like we shout have out this... to Cal Kestis. Shout I will out... also talk about Cal say... Kestis because he's also on my list, my top five favorites. I was just gonna say, like first we have like Jedi Fallen Order, which we have all this goodness of a uh, a kid finding himself after the Jedi Order has fallen. But then my like Kanan is straight up the best jedi like Straight in up. all of star wars like i i will stand and die on that hill i'll stand I will and die stand, with you i we will stand I'll and die. die on top of the lothal refinery sure i'll I just, stand with qui-gon and <laughs> i love qui-gon to death but i'll be say, a ledge below you guys with qui-gon i gotta say um i got a text this week from my friend sam she finished watching rebels for the first time and i no no lie she was like so i finished watching rebels i started recording a video put my phone like on the floor and i was like so do you ever feel like this just thinking about kanan jaris and i just like laid down on the floor and like just started crying <laughs> honest to god <laughs> she I, was like yes i do kanan's, kanan's spoiler alert kanan's death uh is like one of the few things in tv or movies that makes me actually cry like, like i actually cannot help but like burst into tears every time i watch it no matter what it's so well done it's i mean the whole episode you know he gets the haircut 
and then he <laughs> oh, yeah. once you once he got that haircut, you knew he was dead. You knew he was gone. He's no, dead. You're like, that's too that. bad. He's well, he, he, you can't look past that. He saves Hera from the tower or wherever she was, and yeah. there's the whole like you know they're falling. They were already in love, but there's the all the chemistry between them there, and then like. The fact he's able to see like one last time as like they're dying, it's like the force is like I'll give you this one thing. It this really, one it's thing. he kept his promise. It's like the most, it's the best done death in all of Star Wars. I think so. Yeah. I honestly agree, hundred percent. Because it's an, it, it goes back to again, he, Kanan allowed himself to have romantic love, which yeah. is forbidden by the Jedi for the most part. And he's but he didn't fine. let it become an attachment. Yeah. He he was able to let go when the the moment needed it, and he was able to he saved everybody, you know, except himself. That's like, that's when you collect all the studs in in <laughs> Lego Star Wars, and you hit true Jedi, and it's like that's <laughs> exactly as soon as he pushes them away, and they all fly away. We gotta make that edit. You might as well hear that sound of. <laughs> <laughs> like because oh then he God. reached true jedi oh because uh, that's exactly what it is you know oh man but but hmm. it is though i mean like kanan has like the full like like arc though like as like the through from being a jedi oh. and like one thing that like uh we were not expecting at all like in like the bad batch coming out was seeing order 66 like straight up and it was like his moment for order 66 as well which was heart stopping oh. um not stopping stomping uh but it just seeing how it all like went down and and like we know that like he had like the massive distrust of clones anyway but just knowing that kanan grows to be a kid who hadn't finished his training having to go into hiding and then unwillingly just like taking on like a force sensitive kid and then figuring it out with him that's like the most like jedi way that you that can do it though is taking in this kid and being like all right this is just my responsibility and I'm going to figure it out. And, and he does. And he also pretty much loses it all and fails in every single way by like losing his eyesight and whatever the heck is going on with Ezra. Like half the time he's like always tempted by something. Um, and then pretty much like achieving like that, like um, in between, like it, they have like a good like flow with each other and like, they know that like what's going on is working, but then, and then, of course, working with Hera, and then being with Hera, and then having that love, and then everything just gets ripped away. But it was for a reason, and everyone else lived to find another day. And I'm sorry, that was like profound at first, and then I just kind of like lost myself in the middle because I was just. I mean, I know about Kanan, Jedi Knight. this goes back to oh god, this goes back to what you said earlier about learning. You know, yeah, a true Jedi never stops learning, and the fact that we have this guy never reached master, becoming a master to teach somebody else. The fact that Ezra is a pain in the ass and he still puts up with them and he still is able to practice patience with Ezra again. And some of my favorite Kanan moments, the, the moment I always think of when we talk about Kanan, um, other than him getting blown up, is when he's training Sabine. And he, you know, he gives her the stick and he's like trying to work his way through and he's talking to Hera and Hera's like, stop giving him the stick, let her train with the saber. And he's like, but she's not force sensitive. And she's like, who cares? You know, it, it much better put in the, the episode. Than mine. But then <laughs> she like, good. she lashes out at him, like really lashes out at him about, you're just an awful master. You're awful. You're an awful teacher. I don't know how you're doing this. I don't know how Ezra puts up with you. I don't know how anybody puts up with you. She storms off. She like, you know, really lashes out at him. 
and he just like meditates on that you know like he just sits there and he's calm and he meditates about it and when she comes back he apologizes and he like you know she apologizes they make up and then he kind of you know takes her advice and gives her the saber to train with it's like that's the coolest thing because again you can tell how mad he is <laughs> you can tell how angry he is but he's not gonna let it control him he's gonna sit down he's gonna just you know practice patience it's all about patience i'm not a patient person i wish i was and i think that's why i look at the jedi so fondly because i wish i were like that i wish if somebody just yelled at me and told me i was the worst i wish i could just sit down and say you know what hmm. let's let's talk about this i tried to teach Instead you the ways being like look buddy all right you suck you know like i don't know true jedi again it's true jedi. It's, it's collecting all the studs in in lego star wars it's yeah. true jedi i mean there's a lot of similarities between you know kanan um obi-wan and even qui-gon i guess but yeah that's why and, they're like the three best and cal and cal, cal is number four for me because cal is incredibly empathetic and that's another thing the jedi yeah should be and i think every all of the jedi to a degree are empathetic but this dude takes it to a whole nother level I mean, my God, he shows up to Dathomir. He's getting attacked by a, a night sister, and he's just like, "I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm really hands, sorry that happened." Hands the to lightsaber you. over to her. Yeah, I love that. like gun, oh on, my, gun on the table. It's oh my God, it's so good. Like, and just every single thing. I mean, every time he has an opportunity to help somebody, he is always a hundred percent willing to just throw everything aside and say, "Do you need help? What can I do?" That is just again, that is just the he's coolest the thing. He, Cal is one of the best jedi and i think in, in terms of of just male protagonists in general i think empathy is something that you don't get from a lot of male protagonists and for him to to have that trait in such spades is just awesome i love it oh, that's a good point that's a really good point um shall we move on to what would be next the sequels the i guess sequels, or yeah unless yeah. you want to talk about like luke in mando and book of boba fett real quick just about this you know We've sort of talked about that like recently. We've talked but... that to the death in the past like couple weeks. I mean, we have. If you want to hear us talk about Luke and Grogu, check out our previous couple episodes where we talked about it in Book of Boba Fett. Go on. <laughs> Listen to that guy. See, look at this. I can point now. You, now we can point. That. You learned the ways. Oh. So, <laughs> the sequel trilogy. Yeah. The Luke Skywalker has vanished, right? Yep. Yes. So, once again, there are the last of the Jedi. no Jedi. There's no Jedi. Um, there's gonna be Jedi, but then we're introduced to Rey. Well, okay, yeah, and Finn, obviously. But but I also um, think eventually they're gonna introduce other Jedi that survived or probably yeah. left the order before. Oh yeah, you're probably right. Down. I mean, Grogu is yeah, like out there. Ahsoka's I, I think... possibly out there. Cal might be out there. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, like, Ezra. I I feel. Well, let let's Jason, stick before, before we're speculating. Let's focus on Ray. Before we're speculating here, um, the whole point of the sequel trilogy is we get our new generation of Jedi, and that's going to start with Ray, and someone when we find out at the end that was pretty much born into the dark side and destined to do that, but then overcame it and chose the path of the light instead. Although, we really we we don't know how how much of each like teaching she's going to like go into and like what she's going to like do so we don't 
like we know she has like the sacred like ancient texts and so she has like the ancient way like of the jedi and so it's a total different like thought process and like skill set for like what the prequel jedi had what the higher republic jedi had and what everyone before um may have actually like thought about and it's just gonna be totally new and it's it's funny like looking at the sequel trilogy like this because like we she she's learning the entire time and we really don't know what kind of jedi she's going to be by the end of it um, well, that's sort of like luke too yeah yeah you know, luke I mean, pretty much both becomes them, a jedi and re uh, return the jedi so yeah they, both of them are you know representatives of the last jedi as it were yeah but don't forget also that luke annotated all of the sacred jedi texts this yeah. dude bold as hell taking you know millennia-old books and writing in them just like, oh, I don't know, I'm just going to fill in some stuff here. Like, what the hell are you doing, You didn't Luke? have a copy machine. So. But so, no. so I think something of note, though, um, this is kind of, like, important, though, because Luke went and he annotated all of the sacred texts, the ancient texts, and but we know that he utterly failed with his Jedi Temple. And, like, he took his texts and he hit an octo, but we don't know how often he was, like, actually looking at them, if he looked at them at all. So we don't know what kind of thoughts those were. So, like, was this, like, Luke trying to be, like, a replicant of, like, the prequel Jedi? We don't know. Or him trying to, like, do his own thing? Or we're not I sure. I think him so... training Leia is kind of a signal that he's not the old Jedi. You know, because you'd never, ever train somebody who's married with a kid on the way. <laughs> you know, that's just, that's a big no-no. That's no your matter sister. What. Yeah. I feel like he and didn't his know sister. until, like, literally the moment when, like, they, like, stopped training. And she's like, hey, um... I gotta put down my lightsaber because guess what, Luke? I'm pregnant. I'm pretty sure like that's like how she told Luke. <laughs> I mean, like, even so, Luke that's the extended version. Like, such, such a dummy. Like I don't think he would like know that like she was pregnant until. <laughs> yeah, and she was Leia was married and went on the honeymoon on the Star Cruiser. But oh anyways, God, I think Leia is the last person who would want to go on a cruise know, for her vacation. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Han bought the tickets. Like ah, Leia will like this. <laughs> you know what? That's a good. That's okay. a good uh, Han Solo right there. There you go. That's, <laughs> it's Han very Solo. Han Solo to do but that. I, but it's, okay. Jamie brought up a thought I wanted to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, when do we think, and we'll probably find out, but when do we think Luke failed with his temple? I, know I was just about to say that. It was a split second. It couldn't have been that split second he ignites the green. Because, like, I mean, that scares the hell out of Ben laying in bed. But something must have happened before. We know Snoke was in Ben's head. But what do you think happened? I think the novelizations also talk about Snoke having an influence on Luke's temple beforehand. Like Luke, like Snoke may have been like an ally to Luke at some point and like guided him, obviously misguided him, but that's a different story. And I don't know how much they're going to touch upon that. That's like a small thing. I think Luke, I'm going to get, I'm going to get religious on you real quick. Sorry about that. Legend, <laughs> legends and myths, but not really because this is based in actual um, history. The, the Jewish temples, there are two of them. The first temple was built and destroyed, uh, you know, in the BC times. The second temple was built, also the BC times, and destroyed in 70 AD. And the second temple was built by uh, Solomon, who was the son of David. David's whole thing was that he, he wanted to go on this big crusade. He wanted to rebuild the temple on Temple Mount. It was really important to honor God. But he did too many bad things, and God wouldn't let him build the temple. And so Solomon kind of gets wrapped up in the building of the temple. And 
everybody involved with the temple becomes so focused on the religion aspect of it that they let they let it crumble underneath them you know they let the whole organization just kind of you know the cracks start to form right under their nose and they don't even notice because they're too busy you know focusing on how to honor god without actually practicing correctly and i think that's kind of what i think that's going to be the fall of the second jedi temple too i think it's luke is going to be involved in in such a way that he's going to get too wrapped up in the religion he's going to see that as his main kind of uh you know his main crux or his main crutch something that he focused on while Ben fell right under his nose. And of course the ignition of the saber in the the hut was the moment when there was no going back. But, you know, Luke probably, you know, sees his focus on orthodoxy and religion as the main reason the temple failed. That's probably why he feels the way he does in the last Jedi. He puts all his blame on the Jedi religion and the cycle of violence and everything that he was supposedly upholding while everything was crumbling under his nose. It's the same kind of thing, I think. Yeah. I mean, that was <laughs> a long trip down, but I know I get your point totally. Um, and that would make sense. Cause like from what we see with Luke and Ben, I know we were supposed to be talking about the sequel trilogy, but I mean, this is a big part of it. It's, you know, Ben, ben Solo and the fall there of aren't that. that many Jedi in the sequel trilogy. No, I mean, yeah, exactly. But we'll get to Ray in a minute. Um, like Luke's dragging Ben on all these trips about like all this Jedi lore and stuff. Oh, I know you'll like this, Ben. And they're with old, old bag, Lorsenteca. I mean, yeah, maybe he gets too wrapped up in all that stuff. Um, and doesn't really focus on his students. Yeah. I don't know. I, I No, I think that's probably close to it i mean that's the that's the way i'm reading things right now he's so focused on always looking to the horizon you know as yoda says and he's not looking right in front of him so that's it yeah um yeah okay cool now on to ray um i i want to get to a quote that's in rise of skywalker but like matt or jamie is there anything you want to get i wanted to say like you want to get to a quote in Rise of Skywalker? The heart of a well, Jedi that, lies in her strength. <laughs> well, that's Kanan great with Kanan, <laughs> Jedi Knight. Um, but at first, in Last Jedi, I love Last Jedi, but I always thought Rey was like, they made Rey sort of like a dunce in that. But now that I've watched all the films multiple times and I rewatched Last Jedi recently, I was like, this is amazing. Like, Daisy Ridley nailed this. I love that she's naive in this. She's very and, and then and in Rise of is, Skywalker, she's so confident, and I think she's so strong in that movie. So it's it's cool. Yeah, in Last Jedi, she doesn't know who she wants to be, and yeah. she's not sure what she remembers herself like deep down, like what she believes herself to be, and she's not sure what she wants to be in the future. And so, like that's why we have multiple different things here. So we have like an outfit that looks like completely different than anything she's had before, because she's like, oh, I don't know, this is gonna be different. Although the real reason the costuming department found out they needed a second outfit like a week before they filmed that last scene. So they just kind of threw something together. But if you want to go deeper, the, deeper the hero wise, one? No, no, the, the vest, the, oh, the, the vest, vest the and vest. the green pants. And so right. the, what she wears the majority of Last Jedi, um, Yeah, she's not sure what she wants to be. Um, but then she gets like the more confidence throughout the way during last Jedi, but still unsure of who of it, who she really wants to be. And we have the whole, 
who are your parents um and she says they're nobody because they were to her that's what she believed and that's what she always thought and i i still believe that she had no idea what her true parentage was until um the events of the rise of skywalker um of course because not. even at that they weren't anybody special um but they right. turned out to be something more and then even though she's going to rise to skywalker the beginning of the movie she is more confident but then she's she's given the greatest conflict of her life when she realizes the gravity um of how serious her bloodline is and then she just realizes how much more important the bigger picture is for the galaxy how it's not just about her and i think that's that's one of the most important parts about ray is she knows that it's not just about her it's about the broader galaxy which is a very jedi thing to do yeah yeah, no, I, I, I think Ray is the perfect. I think Ray's arc is the perfect arc to have post Return of the Jedi, where Luke accepts familial attachment in a way that the old Jedi did not, and you know Ray's arc is all about her trying to find family. It's about her being stunted by her attachment to her parents, and learning to let go of that attachment and grow into you know, who she's going to be to find and make her own family. And I mean, that's like, like I said, that's the perfect arc to have as Luke's last student, because, you know, I always, I always like to say that, you know, shabby hobo Luke is philosopher Luke, you know, the, the old viewpoint of philosophers. And I'm, and this is like a serious, like actual thing that, it was almost like a uniform. If you were a philosopher in ancient Greek, Greece or Rome, you dressed in shabby clothes. You had long, unkempt, shabby hair. You had a beard. You had like the full, you know, shabby look to you because you didn't really, it was, it was almost like a sign of intelligence that you were like too, too good for hygiene. <laughs> as weird as that sounds. But the way Luke teaches Ray is so open. You know, he, he's in this like grand hall in the Jedi temple you know, he's sitting down and having an open dialogue with Ray about the Jedi failure I and how he that. failed. And it's and all of that is very philosophical as opposed as opposed to like dogmatic, you know, instead of teaching you just, you know, the exact points that you need to become a Jedi, he's just going to teach you the philosophy of what a Jedi is. And she uses that at the end of the rise of Skywalker or the last Jedi, the rise of Skywalker too, but at the last Jedi, at the end when she says, you know, lifting rocks, that's when Luke's teachings finally click for her because she realizes it's not about being able to lift rocks. It's being able to lift rocks and knowing when to lift rocks. Who need, you know, people who need you to lift the rocks, if that's <laughs> when you need to lift the rocks. It's, it's what I said earlier when I kind of, you know, I didn't mean to say better, but these people are gifted with special abilities and it, to use those abilities for good is kind of the responsibility. Oh, geez, I, I sound like Uncle Ben now, but I mean, <laughs> that, that's, that's what okay. Ray learns it, it, in The Last Jedi. That's what Luke teaches her. And I think that's insanely important. While you were, while you were on like the cave scene, the Great Hall in on Octo. Oh, I love um, that scene. I, that is, it's probably, that is my favorite scene in maybe, it's definitely my favorite scene in The Last Jedi. It's Mark one of my Hamill favorite scenes. In knocks it out of the freaking Well, he does. And I was I was watching our friends um, All New Nerds recent podcast episode on YouTube the other night, and one of them put it perfectly. And I never really thought of it this way, but you have Luke saying like to Ray, like, "Ray, did you see the prequels? Like, did you see the prequel Jedi? Did you watch those movies? Like, the Jedi need to end." And Ray's like, 
did you Luke? Did you see the originals? Like, yeah, you, know, you were awesome. Like, be this guy. And then he's like, well, you know, you I'm a legend. That. <laughs> yeah. Like, so it's, yeah, I love that scene. I mean, it, it, that is people don't give the, in my opinion, people don't give the sequels enough credit for that, but God, they I will, mean, eventually the sequel trilogy has a scene. You're absolutely right. I love it. The sequels have a scene where two people are in a room, Luke and his student. And Luke's like, did you see the prequels? And Ray's like, do you see the originals? I mean, that's perfect way to put it. I never thought of that. It, no, in yeah, that kind of credits way. all new nerds. It's, it's perfect. I don't know if I mean, it was Levi, Johnny or Dylan. It was no, one of that, them. I mean, that's that's what a sequel is, right? It's examining the previous two, yeah. uh, you know, entries and, and, and finding the messages and merits in them. And people don't give that, people don't give that credit, give that scene any credit because no, why? Luke, it's Luke Sky. How cool is it? Luke Skywalker kind of like telling you what happened in the prequels. I know. Like, in a, you know, in a couple though, sentences, but it's awesome. Even though this is Luke's own internalized, you know, he's projecting his failures on the prequel Jedi more than anything else in that scene you know the, the prequel jedi were not perfect either so the right. the idea that the jedi were not these perfect beings of you know good in the prequels is still upheld even though a lot of what luke says is just him you know oh i failed because the prequel jedi failed it's the same thing you know even though ray kind of points out that no it's not you know and well yoda kind of points that out more than ray and i love the fact that you know, Yoda and Luke, the two grandmasters of the Jedi Order, when they fell, have to have, have a nice little powwow while... While looking at a burning tree. While looking at is the perfect. old... I mean, the, the, the symbol of the old Jedi just <laughs> burst into peaceful. flames in front of them. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and, and to fast forward into to Rise of Skywalker, I mean, I don't know if we were like, it's the end of it already, but the Ray be with me thing is like so good it zooms up into the stars and you have all the jedi and scenes before that when ray's on octo and talks to ghost luke which is also amazing anything with ray and luke in any of those two films is just my favorite thing ever but you know he says a thousand generations live in you now right mm -hmm. and then ray goes there does the be with me scene or what it be with me looks yeah. up into the sky and everyone all the generations are with her and she says i'm all the jedi and i don't think people understand that line they're just like Oh, it's just like the, a copy of the end game. Oh, I'm Iron game. Man. Or, yeah. It's they don't get it. It's it's all there. All our generations are in you. Be with me. They're all with her. She is all the Jedi. I mean, it doesn't watch the movie, people. <laughs> but like, I think that's the for, from episode one to nine. If we're talking about the saga, that is such a cool. Whether you wanted the ghost to be there or not, whatever, it would have been cool. But that is the culmination of all the Jedi in that final thing, taking down Palpatine. Like, yeah, the Jedi get to redeem their failures to take down Palpatine in the prequels. A lot of those think, Jedi are prequel Jedi, you know? I don't think people realize all the Jedi spirits are pretty much powering Rey in that moment because she was like half dead on the ground. Her Everything was drained, yeah. right? I The way I see it is her drawing power from the cosmic force. And okay. most of the, the voices she hears are more like echoes because, yeah. you know very few people are able to retain their consciousness after death in star wars it's you know being coming a force ghost is a pretty big deal and it's a reminder of the yeah it, through the cosmic force that like but, hey yeah. you got this exactly We're with you. no that, that that's exactly it and it doesn't take away anything from the scene because those people are still in the cosmic force right and the cosmic force is still connecting and speaking to ray when she's connecting and speaking to it so yeah and you know 
Jamie looks think, like she has something to say. I don't have anything <laughs> to say about this because like I I've just, already like I've already read... like word vomited my like thoughts about the Jedi, and then you guys go and get like super profound, and I'm just like, I just <laughs> I just really like these movies. I, I don't I like I, I don't like to dig into the deeper meaning sometimes. Like sure, like we're here on a podcast like talking about it, but like I'm just content and happy to be here talking about the Jedi. After Rise of Skywalker, you know, there's been rumors of there might be a project in the pipeline. Of course, with Rey and Finn and people post Rise of Skywalker with the Jedi, uh, new Jedi Academy. What do you guys, like Matt, what do you think will happen with that? What do I think will happen with that or what do I want to happen with that? Can I go first? Both. Yeah, Jamie, go ahead. Because Jamie so, has some thoughts on that. that I do actually share. have some thoughts. Um, well, they're loose thoughts. I, I think that obviously we're going to get more information uh, regarding what happens to Ahsoka with whatever happens in her series and we'll see who actually is still alive at that point in time. I feel like... Yeah if there are going to be any last stragglers from the original Jedi Order, they're going to turn up at some point in that series, if they're going to turn up at all. Um, and then from there on out, the people that, like, who should still be alive are, um, in the post-Tross times, are Ezra, hopefully, um, I would assume, if he, like, whatever sequence of events happen in the Ahsoka series, um, Grogu, and Jason Syndulla. And then... I don't, I don't know. And, and Broomboy. Broomboy. <laughs> they need to find Tamiri Blag. Yeah, yeah. Br- they will. Broomboy and uh, Infin, obviously. And that's it, who's like really like who we know to like look for. But I feel like it, it's really the same number of like force sensitive people like still exists in the galaxy. That's why Order 66 was like so like weird because like obviously all these people were like wiped out, but like force sensitive people just like appear and not just uh, not not like immaculate conception appear but they they just like it just (laughs) like happens it's like a a, like having like muggle-born parents like you you can be it might be just gifted magic which Um, is the point of broom boy broom boy he's exactly it he's like the next generation of anakin's literally i mean he's a slave boy who's got the force and all that i mean again that's pushing it he's whatever um yeah but but yeah, and so like I think that there's huge potential for this rebuilding of the order again. But who knows like what direction like they'll actually go into, or even if they'll focus on rebuilding an order. Because if they want to do something like totally new, then it's just like all right, here's our adventures of us trying to figure ourselves out first before we try to build an order. Maybe. Yeah. They... I mean, there's no Sith to really combat with that we know of no. yet. I don't know. So no, and I hope there isn't. I hope the Sith are gone for good. I always like to say that Palpatine wasn't a, really a Sith in the Rise of Skywalker because he his stated goal is to rebuild the Sith. So, right. you know, they kind of prevent the Sith from returning rather than the Sith yeah. actually still being around. But anyway, what if they become uh, you know, a band of roving warrior monks with no order itself? There we go. We're back from the original concepts. We're back to the has. original ideas of what people thought the Jedi were in the originals. I mean, that that's what I would like. Certainly would be interesting. I would like a totally, not totally new feel for the Jedi, but they kind of got to be rebranded at this point, right? And they yeah. keep, that's the whole thing. They keep getting the cycle of here we are, here's the, here's the order, oh, we filled. Like, a band of like way seekers, maybe, you know. Yeah, all I way like seekers, that. Way seekers. Which are, in the High Republic, way seekers are people who aren't really tethered to the order. They kind of just follow, quote unquote, the will of the force. Um. But yeah, I mean, first of all, what I would really like, I know, I don't know if this is going to be controversial or not, but I really don't want Ray to train Finn. I want Finn and Ray to train together. Yeah. 
I want, I don't want her to be his master. I want him and her to kind of be partners. Um, No hierarchy. Yeah. No hierarchy, no master and apprentice right now. I, I want them to kind of just build each other up, teach each other. I think Finn has a lot to teach Ray, and I think Ray has a lot to teach Finn. I don't think either one could really be labeled as master and apprentice right now, at least. You know, she could sit him down and say, "Look, read these texts," you know, and then start practicing. But that isn't really training him per se. I just would really like for Finn to become a master much faster, so that there are at least two. Jedi masters kind of working off of each other in the post-Tross era, as opposed to just one master and one apprentice, like everything yeah, so else. You know? things, when yeah. things pick up with this project or something, eventually one day, you know, Finn already knows a good good amount by the time we see him, and maybe him and Ray are pretty much equals. Um, yeah, that's what I would like. Cool. I'd like to see that. Um, and to get even more controversial, I would love to see Ray go back and just rebuild Luke's temple. If you, if they're going to do a temple, just rebuild Luke's temple, like the on old mystery planet from mystery planet. Okay, um, not not go to Octo. No, I think Octo needs to keep be that left sacred. Alone. Go on mystery planet, so she'll ask Make Grogu for the plans, and Grogu is gonna be like, "Excuse me, I'm gonna go up on that hill and eat all of the frogs first, because Luke didn't let me do that last time." They go time. there and they find Grogu. Old man Grogu. Or he wouldn't be old, but no, he'll be like, be like teenager Grogu. Teenager <laughs> Grogu eating all the frogs. Whatever happens, I just, if this is in post-Tross Project or in Ahsoka or whatever, whatever happens is I just want Ezra to call Grogu Baby Yoda because he yeah. would. He is the <laughs> only person in the galaxy who would be able to say that. That would be really good. <laughs> I would That's love all that I want. for Ezra to train Jason Syndulla. I think that yeah. would be the greatest thing in the world for Jason's father's apprentice to become the master and train his master's son. Would Hera want him to become a Jedi? I guess why I mean, like, not. But... Becoming a Jedi and learning how to use the Force could be two totally different things. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Well, and I, of course, down the road, you know, if we're going to do, I always also want them to do almost like an anti-High Republic where they skip ahead 200 years. Um, and Grogu is the Grandmaster. Obviously, I want Ray and Finn stories more than anything. But I would love for, in the future, Grogu to be the Grandmaster Jedi once, you know, Din is, is dead and gone, as sad as that is. For him to finally kind of, like, move past that attachment and then embrace the, the Jedi-dom after living a time as a Mandalorian. I would love for him to kind of be the next Grandmaster and, and follow kind of like a... I don't, uh... I don't think he's going to under, under Grogu. That train has left the building. For I think now. A, I think he'll become a Jedi, but I don't think he'll be a Grandmaster. I think he's just kind of do his own lone samurai thing eventually whenever Din dies. Maybe. I yeah, think Matt's here age... saying, no hierarchy. Okay, Grogu's going to be a uh, Grandmaster. I'm saying if they go in that temple. That's If they doing? go with the temple concept, which is what I said before okay, when okay. I also said if Ray, we, you know, if they're going to build a temple, Ray should rebuild Luke's. I got gotcha. you. But if they go in that direction, I would like to see Grogu as a Grandmaster because that would be cool. See another Yoda guy sitting in, sitting in his little chair, being a little puppet, teaching people about luminous beings and eating That frogs. would be cool. Okay. That would right. be cool. This was Are a good kidding? episode. This was a good Jedi discussion. I'm sure, you know, 
We could have talked for like three hours about the we Jedi. We could have. But... This is, this... I feel like we did. No. I feel like we <laughs> yeah, did too. It was long. Uh, right. So uh, this has been a discussion about the Jedi on Holland and Marauders podcast. So we have a video version of our podcast as well. If you're watching, th this has been the video version. If you're listening, go check out our YouTube channel. We have a video version of the podcast. Um, podcast is available on all of the major audio listening platforms. You can find us everywhere on social media at Holland at Marauders. On Twitter, it is just at Holland at Marauder. Thank you so much for listening to the Holland at Marauders podcast. See you next time.